TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this Thursday late afternoon, the 4th of February. The year is 2021. This is Scoop Podcast episode... 332. I'll get to the developing wild news in just a bit, although by the time this podcast actually posts, I think the wild news will be out there, but we did put it on the KSTP Sports Twitter if you need any sort of verification that we had it before anybody else at KSTP Sports. I'll get to the wild in just a bit, but let me start with the twins. Nelly Cruz is in town per his Instagram. I noted on Twitter the other day that he was already in the United States. He actually was in New York for a bit. Flew into town today, so he's in town for his physical, so his official deal should be announced here very, very soon. Maybe they wait until tomorrow morning, but official news should be announced here pretty quick. The number you need to know, $13 million on the base salary, but he does have fairly reachable incentives that can push it up a couple extra $100,000. That's part of what put it over the top. Certainly his camp heard about the Marcel Ozuna you know, steam that the Twins made Ozuna a very competitive offer that the Twins were weighing both, the Twins were awaiting word, the Cruz camp felt like, hey, this was it. The Twins made three different offers, one back in October, one in like early December, late November, then one a few days ago, and the Cruz camp came to the realization, okay, this is it. The Twins are not going any higher. Where's our leverage? Yeah, the Dodgers had interest. Yeah, the Braves had interest. Yeah, the Padres had some level of interest. But the American League interest wasn't there. We don't know if the DH will be in the National League at this point. It doesn't appear as if it will. So the Cruz camp looked at the scenario and said, okay, let's take it. We want to be back in Minnesota anyway. Nelly loves it here. This is a fair offer, fair enough. Let's take the one-year $13 million. Hopefully he can reach some of those incentives, get up a couple extra $100,000. His chef is now a part of the staff. So there's some things that the Twins did to bend over backwards for Nelly. And Nelly Cruz is back. So after Nelly committed to re-signing with the Twins, he called his good friend Alex Colomay. Cruz's cousin is also close to Colomay. He too called Colomay and said, hey, we're back in Minnesota. We would love you as a teammate. So that helped put Alex Colomay over the top. So Alex Colomay, a new Twins reliever. So the Twins are now full on the 40-man roster. But, like, look at the 40-man roster. There's some pitchers there, some relievers, that unless you are a complete diehard, you don't know those names. Those names would likely pass through waivers. So if the Twins need to create a 40-man spot or two, they can do it. So I would not be shocked if the Twins bring in another reliever. There are so many relievers out there. They've had conversations about Shane Green, about Trevor Rosenthal. I don't think Rosenthal is ending up here. But point is, they've had conversations on those guys. They've had conversations on Wilson. Just go up and down the list. I mean, every top reliever that's available, the Twins have had some chatter about. So maybe they land a guy for money in between what they gave Robles, $2 million, and Colome, guaranteeing him $6.25. I would not be shocked if they end up signing another reliever. I do think they will bring in some competition for Randy Dobnak. As the fifth starter, Smelter will offer some competition, Thorpe. But I think they bring in an outsider, but more so on a minor league deal. I don't think they sign a starter to a major league deal. So I think Jake Odorizzi at this point lands elsewhere. But I'll tell you this much, Jake Odorizzi loves it here. If all things were equal, Jake Odorizzi would re-sign with the Twins. But there's no sense at this point that the Twins have the budget 
to go to what Oda Rizzi is seeking. He is seeking more than what Hap got, more than what Quintana got. You know, he's looking for for north of, you know, $11, $12 million a year on a multi-year deal. Maybe he ultimately settles for a one-year, but certainly has the aim for multiple years. James Paxton, same deal. Paxton is looking for, I heard, in the neighborhood of $12 million for 2021. I just don't think the Twins go there. We should find out soon who the Twins are inviting non-roster-wise to spring training as of Thursday afternoon. Invites had not been extended, but we wonder about Lewis, Cantorino, Larnick. I mean, we think a lot of these guys will get invites, but no official word as of Thursday afternoon. I'm curious on Aaron Sabato, the first-round pick, does he get a non-roster invite. But again, as of Thursday afternoon, no official word. The Twins will be in Fort Myers in just a couple weeks. Randy Dobnak is on this podcast in a bit. Talked to him a few days ago. He was told to report for physicals on the 18th, on the field, on the 19th. And by the way, on adding a starter, like they can always add one during the season. Like They've talked trade with the Reds. Seeds have been planted. I know they've talked trade with the Miami Marlins. They've talked trade with a number of teams. So they can always add a starter June, July, approaching the non-waiver trade deadline in late July. Don't rule out that possibility in terms of addressing the starting rotation. I had a great talk this afternoon with former Twins manager Ron Gardenhire. He's loving life in Fort Myers. In fact, he told me when he was going to be done talking to me. He was going to hop on his Harley, go for a nice ride this afternoon. He plays golf a couple days a week. His son, Toby, the Saints manager, is down there. Toby got married a few weeks ago, resides down there, so he plays golf with Toby and his buddies all the time. Gardy told me if he accepts an offer to be a special assistant, he has a few offers from major league organizations. If he accepts an offer to be a special assistant, It'll be with the Twins. I mean, he just gushed about Dave St. Peter, Dustin Morse, Mike Herman, others with the Twins. Guardy is still very tight with a number of Twins folks, even though he's been gone since, what, 2014. 2014 was his last time as the Twins manager. In fact, we talked about that. Really, the only holdovers from, from his time with the Twins, Caleb Thielbar was actually in his bullpen in 2014. Then Jorge Polanco was up in 2014 for like five days. Otherwise, if you look at his roster in 2014, there is nobody left. Okay, and the wild news. As I'm talking, they are in the air. They are flying back from Denver. Nico Sturm. So I think by the time you listen to this, by the time this thing is posted, the NHL will have announced its its updated COVID list. Expect Nico Sturm to be added to that list. So that list is Jared Spurgeon, Ewell Erickson Eck, Nick Benino, Marcus Johansson, Marcus Felino. Am I forgetting a name or two? The names are out there. Nick Bukestead. Did I say Bukestead? And now Nico Sturm. Previously, Alex Stalock. We know Marco Rossi has also battled COVID. So there is a COVID outbreak with the Wild. They are now technically shut down through next Tuesday. So the facilities are shut down. The X is off limits. The Tria Rink is off limits. I went back and forth with an unnamed player on background and he expressed trepidation about returning to play one week from tonight. So one week from tonight, February 11th, the Wild have a scheduled game against St. Louis. He said, hey, they are shutting us down for a week. We are pretty much going to be stuck in our homes. Then they want us to practice on Wednesday the 10th and play a game on Thursday the 11th. He just doesn't think that's fair. Now, hey, it's the COVID world we live in. The NHL may say, guess what? Fair doesn't exist. You guys are playing on the 11th. But I'm just telling you, one unnamed player said, hey, asking us to play on the 11th is going to be really, really hard. Richard Pitino and the Gophers will officially hear in the coming days that the Big Ten tourney 
is moving to Indianapolis. Also talked today with Amber Pfizer, Gophers softball ace. The softball schedule is coming out very soon, Big Ten only. She has some hope games will be played, at least some games will be played in Florida so they can get outside. They would not have to find a bunch of indoor games for the next you know six to eight weeks before they can get outside and play some games. On the Vikings, I think Kirk Cousins is going to be the Vikings quarterback this year. But I know of one very credible NFL big shot who thinks he'll be traded to the 49ers. Judd Zolgad of Score North told me the other day to check on the Rams making an inquiry before they completed the trade for Matthew Stafford. What I was told was this. Sean McVay, Rams coach, is a fan of Kirk. They spent time together in Washington. But this person doesn't have concrete evidence that the Rams called about the Vikings. But Judd is very plugged in, former Vikings beat reporter for the Star Tribune. I think Judd is on to something. Doesn't mean that talks got very far, but I think Judd is right that the Rams, before completing the Stafford trade, reached out on a number of quarterbacks, made inquiries, and Cousins was on that list. My money is still on Clint Kubiak as the offensive coordinator. Certain interviews have to take place. They, because of the rules, need to to happen, need to occur before any Kubiak news can become official. But all signs still point to Clint Kubiak being the Vikings offensive coordinator. Also, on the on the quarterback talking point, I know there's some fans out there concocting ideas to, to get Deshaun Watson of Houston here to Minnesota. Don't forget this. He has a no-trade clause. I am led to believe that if the Vikings somehow, this is a wild hypothetical, but if somehow the Vikings worked out a deal with Houston, you know, they, they trumped what the Jets will offer, what other teams will offer. If the Vikings were the front runner to acquire Deshaun Watson – that he would use the hammer, the no-trade hammer, and say, sorry, I am not coming to Minnesota. The Wolves are the only team in the NBA not within three games of a playoff berth. Rock bottom continues. Rock bottom just didn't happen on Wednesday, even though up 16, 10 minutes to go, the win probability in San Antonio was slightly below 98%, yet they found a way to lose. There was a game a couple weeks ago where the win probability, they were up, what, 12 with like three minutes to go. The win probability was like 99.8%. Only the Wolves, really. I mean, other teams do. I mean, heck, the Nets had just a crazy loss a few days ago. So other teams have examples, but it just seems like the Wolves over the last year plus lead the NBA in what the bleep just happened losses. And there was another one on Wednesday night. I get all the Saunders criticism. If you want to tweet me, if you want to call me, email me and say Ryan needs to go, I get it. I am not going to argue you on that point. I understand that a coaching change could potentially help things. I don't know if they're much better than the 15th best team in the Western Conference, but who knows? Maybe somebody else comes in with this current roster and elevates them to the 14 seed or the 13 seed. Certainly not the top 10 not a playoff spot. My point continues to be this. On Ryan, give him a chance to coach Cat with not only D'Lo, but with Edwards. So Cat is due back very soon. Glenn Taylor talked to David Chama, who's a local sports reporter. Glenn told David earlier this week that before this week is over, he expects Carl Anthony Towns to be back in the lineup. We know that Carl Anthony Towns is on the current road trip. So whether he plays Friday in OKC or Saturday in OKC, there is an expectation that he plays in at least one, if not both of those games 
in the coming days. So I think there's something to be said, at least on my end, to allow Ryan a chance to coach his main players for some sort of sustained period. Even if D'Angelo Russell isn't a winning player, he's got all sorts of warts. If you could go back a year ago, it was about a year ago they made the trade. If you could go back, I think a lot of fans would say, let's reverse that trade, even with Wiggins' warts. Let's reverse the trade so we can get the pick back. And I'll admit, when the trade happened, I said, yes, I would have made that deal. I was wrong. It just it hasn't worked out. But there's something to also be said that why can you say that when D'Angelo has only played with Cat for five games? So I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I do think let's at least give Ryan a chance to coach the main core for a sustained period. Then at least for me, then I'll formulate some strong opinions. I also think there's something to be said about at some point in the next year, whether it's this calendar year or early 2022, that Glenn Taylor is going to sell the Wolves. Daniel E. Strauss remains a name to keep an eye on. But, like, there's a big basketball fan that just made a big donation to his alma mater, Michigan State. His name is Matt Ishbia. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. I-S-H-B-I-A. He actually played on the Mateen Cleaves National Championship team in 2000 under Tom Izzo. So he makes this $32 million donation to Michigan State on Thursday. He is a big basketball aficionado. I'm told, now I don't know if he's talked to Glenn, but I'm told, at least among his camp, that that entering the Wolves mix has come up. I still think Strauss is the name to watch, but the point is there are interested parties out there that I think at some point in the next calendar year or so, a transaction does take place. Maybe Glenn retains 10 or 20% ownership, but a new majority owner is in place. So allow that guy or woman to make the call on Ryan, not only Ryan, but on Gerson. Let that new person make the call on on everybody here. Don't allow Glenn to make that call when he's looking to sell. On trade chatter, it's pretty quiet right now. Not to say that maybe there's some stuff happening, but at least, you know, in terms of, of what I've tried to dig up, there's there's not much there. I do think it'll pick up in the coming weeks. Rosas knows he needs to find a power forward. But at this point, does it make sense to trade for P.J. Tucker when he's a free agent after the season? I don't know if it makes sense to trade for a pending free agent when you could just go out and sign that free agent in a few months. Ed Davis, I will say, looks like a buyout candidate. Like, he could end up back in Brooklyn. Brooklyn has roster spots. I just don't know if Ed Davis, pending free agent, finishes the year with the Wolves. I'm glad P.J. Fleck acknowledged talks with Tennessee, so Fleck met with reporters via Zoom on Wednesday. Tip of the hat to my colleague Chris Long of Channel 5. He asked the question. P.J. acknowledged his agent spoke on on their behalf that that there were talks. They didn't get very far, but hey, P.J. Fleck is a wanted man. It's a good position to be in. Like, it's it's not a bad thing that other universities view P.J. Fleck in high regard. But anyway... His name did come up in Knoxville. Let me give a shout-out to Paige Beckers, former Hopkins High School star. Last night for UConn, she scored a career-high 32 points. UConn blew out St. John's. Here's what I'll add. So legendary UConn coach Gino Ariema has told confidants, including one person here in town, that he believes, after coaching now Paige for, you know, whatever it is, 10, 11, 12, 13 games, getting to know Paige even more so, than he did during the recruiting process, that he feels like Paige's ceiling equals that of Diana Taurasi, one of his former players. Diana Taurasi, any way you want to argue this, is one of the five best women's players of all time. Gino Ariema thinks Paige's ceiling is that of Diana 
Tarasi. I'm looking forward tonight to being over at Minnehaha Academy. Boys basketball, Minnehaha Academy against YZ. Minnehaha Academy has the likely number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft, Chet Holmgren. He's the number one player in the high school class of 2021. They also have Prince Alegbe, who the Gophers want badly. Many programs want him badly. Then Wyzetta has a couple players, including Cam. Is it Hyde or Heidi? I should know that. But anyway, he's among the star-studded class of 2022 here in Minnesota. He is very much wanted by the Gophers. So a lot of talent will be on the floor at Minnehaha Academy later tonight. All right, let's get to some conversations now. Let me start with Gosh, I could start in a lot of directions. Let me start with Dylan Raddins. I hope I'm saying his last name right. I should have asked him how to say his last name. I'm big on pronunciations. Dylan Raddins of Becker High School, North Dakota State. Long time left tackle. Not long time, but started, what, 32 or 33 games? Every game he started for North Dakota State, they won. Like, he literally didn't lose a game while playing for the Bison. He just got back from... Mobile, when I say got back, got back to Irvine, California, where he's training. So he was in Mobile last week for the Senior Bowl. He kicked serious butt down there. His stock is through the roof. He can play tackle. He can play guard. Like, he has a legit chance if he's not, like, second round. Like, he's not getting to the third round. Like, he might go late first round. But maybe more realistically, he goes early Friday in the second round. But point is, the Becker High School alum is going to go really high in the NFL draft. I caught up with Dylan yesterday. Here's my conversation with him. Dylan, let's just start with Senior Bowl week. I mean, I read all the stories, you know, clearly following from afar. but, But it seems like it went about as well as possible. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I played well. Um, there's obviously things that I always need to improve on. Uh, I definitely didn't play perfect down there, but def- I felt like I played really well. I gained a lot of confidence. I feel like I gained a lot of confidence in the teams that were looking at me. So, uh, yeah, it was a good week. What stood out the most? I mean, was it was it the interviews with teams? Was it was it just the competition? Heck, was it was it the COVID protocols? I, I guess from your standpoint, what stood out? Um, yeah, the, the, the team would be like 16 a night. So you're going four hour, four and a half hours straight of just team interviews. So that stands out. Uh, but I felt like I was prepped very well agency down here. I've worked with Joe Staley, all that stuff, uh, just uh, allowing me to be prepped for those interviews. So the interviews went well, even though they were, uh, it was a long time, uh, or took a long time. And then, yeah, the competition, I mean, I'm jumping up, uh, we're all the best of the best there. So competing against those guys, uh, it's hard to be perfect against those guys. But like I said before, I think I played really well and, uh, it was good. Expound on that. Just jumping up competition wise. I mean, clearly, I mean, you faced good players, good pass rushers at the FCS level, but, but clearly last week was, was a step up in many regards. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So everybody's at the top of their game uh, down at the FCS level. You might have a smaller guy. might be like 6'3", 6'2", but a lot of these guys are going to be a full 6'5", 6'6". Heck, Ellerson Smith, I played against him in college, but he, he was 25 pounds heavier and he's taller than me. So going up against guys that might be taller than you, your size, uh, getting those long arms, those long limbs India. Um, so uh, it's just, uh, you got to be on your P's and Q's. You can't afford to make the little mistakes because uh, then you're going to lose the one-on-one. So uh, uh, yeah, just making sure you're uh, on your P's and Q's all the time instead of just uh, in the FCS level. I could maybe afford to make a mistake here and there. On Ellerson, I mean, do you have a bond with him? I mean, he's he's a Twin Cities kid. I mean, do you know him at all? 
Um, I mean, we played against each other. Uh, never knew each other in high school or anything like that. Uh, but uh, obviously, we played against each other like four different times. So he's a lot skinnier in college. Uh, playing against him in the senior bowl, I can definitely tell he's improved his craft a lot. He was really good in uh, college, but now he's even better. Be an exciting player to watch at the next level for sure. The, the hat is begging the question: Why? Why the Miami Dolphins hat? Uh, so that's who coached us. Um, so we were coached by the Dolphin staff. So we got hats and shirts and stuff. And it was just a hat I put on today. So, I mean, did you feel like though? I mean, there are many examples going back many years where, where a coaching staff coaches, you know, many guys in Mobile and all of a sudden they end up drafting, you know, that player. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you, you built a pretty good bond with the Dolphin staff? Yes, I definitely did. Uh, they're awesome. The whole staff was amazing. I worked with Coach Lamb. He's a new offensive line coach there. Uh, he was awesome. Uh, just learning from him. He was a recent player. He played and won a Super Bowl at the Seahawks. So just talking from a player's perspective and then his knowledge of the game, just uh, allowing to bond that way. So He's a pretty laid back coach, but uh, overall it, it was good bonding experience with him. Describe the kind of, of lineman you are. If you had to write a scouting report on yourself, what, what would that scouting report say? Um, Probably a very analytical lineman who uh, who respects the game, uh, loves to play a game, has a passion for the game that shows with a lot of my finishing blocks and stuff. But uh, I'm not going to sit there and start fights or anything. So I'm not going to try and be uh, getting to a, a, a pissy match, so to speak, and try and fight with guys. Um, but I'm definitely going to be tough enough and I'm definitely going to be analytical and uh, do things the right way and not just try and smash my head into people. And, I mean, would that report suggest that, that you have position flexibility, that you can play tackle and guard? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, tackle, guard, and then I have taken snaps before. Uh, not to say that I'm a great uh, – not to say that I wasn't um, uh, capable of taking snaps, but that's definitely something that can be in my arsenal. I've snapped the ball before. just have to do it in practices now to get that. So, yeah, definitely going to be a versatile player. So, I mean, that is one heck of a selling point, I imagine, to, to teams yes. that – Hey, wherever they want to put you, you're, you're comfortable. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I'll be comfortable wherever, uh, obviously all my confidence and everything like where I want to play is left tackle. I'm confident that I will be able to be a good left tackle in the league, uh, at that level. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm a team guy first. Uh, I, I've always been a team guy wherever they're going to need to put me. That's where I'll be. Um, but like I said, I'm going to try my best to be a left tackle for sure. Is there a particular scheme that, that maybe best suits your, your skill set? Like, for example, you know, maybe the zone blocking scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say wide zone. I feel like I can get out and run pretty athletic that way, being able to get around guys, stuff like that, get up to the linebackers. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, we ran power all the time at college. I'd probably have to put on a few pounds if we were going to, if they were going to put me in a power scheme. But uh, I feel like I'm pretty versatile in all the schemes that I can do because we ran such a pro style offense at NDSU. We've done everything. So uh, a lot of guys might see me since I'm lighter, like 304. They might see me as an outside zone guard kind of thing. Um, but ultimately, uh, I feel like I'll be to fit in wherever whatever team drafts me is it hard not to fantasize about maybe the hometown vikings i mean they run that scheme i mean yep. they need offensive line help i mean is it hard not to yep. think about that uh yeah for sure and i got obviously that's where i'm from so all my uh from so friends and family they're all just like uh showing me mock drafts or adding the vikings on certain instagram posts stuff like that so i mean yeah it's definitely uh something i fantasize about and uh, something that would be awesome if i could play for the hometown vikings but uh yeah, ultimately, it's just uh, going to come down to if if they have their confidence in me. Who was who was the person with the Vikings that you connected with down in Mobile? 
Um, so we did a whole bunch of interviews. There's a whole bunch of scouts. I feel bad for not remembering everybody's name, but it was like, it's like 32 teams. But, um, so it was just a bunch of scouts. Uh, there was no GM or anything there. So, uh, unfortunately we didn't get to meet the coaches yet. So hopefully coming up in these next few weeks, we'll be on zoom calls with the coaches, GM, stuff like that. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was just, it was just scouts. Uh, like I said, I feel bad for not remembering everybody's name, but it was kind of hard to. Yeah. I mean, you ended up talking with, is it safe to say, all 32 teams? I mean, you yes. spent at least a few minutes with everybody down there, right? Uh, yeah, you, you talk with all 32 teams, and you spent 15 minutes with each team. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a grinder. of those, those nights were grinders, and then you had to wake up at 5 the next morning, and you were up till midnight. So, uh, And we were practicing, playing football against the best players. So, yeah, it was definitely a grinder of a situation. Like I said, wish I could remember them all, but uh, didn't quite get there. How grateful are you for your time, Dylan, at, at NDSU? I mean – what 32 and 0 with you as a starter you know yep. the the national championships i mean think about the lineage like yeah a couple of weekends ago right billy turner joe Haig, right in the nfc yeah. championship game like the yeah. program produces nfl offensive linemen yes it does and just being prideful of that school uh i've said it over again in hindsight being 2020 i would never go to any other school the only other school that could be in contention would be like alabama or something just because they have the same tradition they have that same mentality of just winning games um but other than that i mean ndsu growing up i didn't know a lot about college and then i just kind of it fell upon me luckily i was close to ndsu they recruited me and i figured it out real quick there that that place is super special so uh and then like you said the lineage there i mean we've had a lot of great all-americans there we started with billy turner then kyle emmanuel played in the league then the defensive end gets another tackle better which is joe Hag. then joe Hag gets greg menard who's like a three four-time all-american then greg menard to me and then me to someone else so it's just uh it's just the lineage there is huge uh creating each other uh, opportunities, uh, making each other better, serving leadership kind of thing. Uh, super prideful of that. And multiple NFL quarterbacks, including including Trey. How, how special of a yeah. player is Trey Lance? Super special. Crazy athletic kid, super young still in his career. I don't think he's tapped into all of the potential that he has. He only played one season, and that's just and he was so successful in that season. It just shows you how much uh, better he's going to get as he matures even faster or even more, and uh, just getting uh, getting him developed even more. He's just going to be a crazy, talented quarterback in the league. Dylan, are you in this position if if you don't go to Becker, if you don't play for for legendary coach Lundin? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it, I played, like I said, as a, as a kid growing up, I played football because my dad put it on us. My dad moved us to Becker. Um, but, uh, I mean, who knows? I, I'm not the one. I'm, I'm not one to change the past. I think it's all got part of God's plan. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's Dwight is uh, making a lot of guys like me uh, into the men that they are today, not necessarily just good football players. But, uh, yeah, um, Dwight helped me out a lot in the recruiting process. They were making videos for me, stuff like that. They knew what schools I should go to, gave me all that influence and stuff. Um, so, yeah, without him, uh, he's a huge part of the journey. Uh, without him, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at today. Maybe I'd be in a different situation, but uh, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at today. He foresaw this, too. I went back and, and read a, a St. Cloud Times story where, where you were the St. Cloud Times player of the year, your senior year. Dwight is quoted in that story. I mean, going back five years now, six years, yep. 2015 probably, he goes, yep. I see Dylan playing on Sundays. Like, yep. he saw it the whole time. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Uh, and they told me that when I was going into college and going into college, they're like, you're going to redshirt because you have to gain weight. And I was like, 
normally those guys who go to the league, don't they play right away in college kind of thing? And uh, But no, it was crazy. I, I still have those words in my head. There's a few times that coaches and uh, mentors of mine have told me something like that. And I'm just like, that's crazy that they could see that in me. And I didn't even see it in myself at the time. So yeah, it, it's awesome that he was able to see that. Uh, he bestowed a lot of confidence in me. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just crazy how uh, to see it come true. So did you come close to, to committing to Wyoming? Like how close was it North Dakota State and Wyoming? So Wyoming was never really that close. Um, obviously, they were my first offer. So they were the ones who first like had me realize, hey, I'm going to play college football. Um, other than that, I mean, NDSU is pretty much it won the whole thing right away. Uh, the only other school I considered would be like New Mexico because I wanted to play defensive end. Um, and they were the school that wanted me to play defensive end. Other than that, I mean, it was a no-brainer to go to NDSU. Coach Riley was there at the time, the O-line coach. He already produced some O-linemen that went into the league, Joe Haig, stuff like that. Um, and then they won a lot of games and the culture there. And I was close to home. My mom would be able to watch me play football. So it was it was almost a no-brainer for me. It was an easy choice. Uh, so, yeah. Dylan, you mentioned your, your dad moving you guys to, to Becker. How mm-hmm. much of, of what you do – like? is for him, his memory. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and condolences. I mean, he passed far too young, but, yeah. but how much yeah. of what you do, Dylan is for him? Um, a lot of it, a lot of it's for him. A lot of it's for my family. Uh, it was crazy. The senior bowl is the first time I've had my name on the back of my Jersey, uh, which is awesome. Uh, it's crazy to think that I can do that for my family, put my family's name on the map, do that. Uh, Raiden's, uh, just know that, that I came from NDSU stuff like that. So all of it's going to be loyal family stuff. Um, so everything I do, I'm going to be doing it for them. Uh, not necessarily doing it for myself. Uh, definitely uh, not a selfish person. So, uh, yeah, just knowing that my dad, uh, started this journey for us kids and knowing that I have the opportunity to continue it and finish it. Uh, it's definitely a huge motivation. Tell me about coach Alexander. You have, you have built up a relationship. Tell me about that relationship with coach Mm -hmm. Alexander. Yeah, he's a super awesome dude. I definitely, I mean, he's been in the league for 23 years, has so much knowledge on the game. Uh, so just being able to pick his brain and learn from him has been an awesome blessing in my life. Uh, it has improved my game significantly. Um, but, yeah, he he comes out. We train with him. Uh, and he uh, shows us some film, shows us some tip. He, uh, tips. He shows us the all pros that he's coached, uh, Whitworth and stuff like that. Um, so just with him uh, learning, he's got a unique style of coaching. He's definitely a coach. He's not like any coach. Which I've had before so uh, just learning from different perspectives different coaches like that helps a lot maybe not Whitworth but is there a player that that you look at and say you know what my skill set is comparable to that guy um yeah a lot of people uh, Paul Alexander actually compared me to Jake Matthews for the Falcons but a guy I watch a lot because not necessarily because I'm like him but just his uniqueness the way he plays the game is David Bakhtiari um, even though I grew up hating the Packers, uh, I got to have appreciation for him because obviously Billy Turner's there and then Bakhtiari is one of the greatest left tackles to play the game right now. So uh, watching him uh, is huge. Uh, I love the uniqueness he brings to the game, just learning from him that there's a lot of ways you can play offensive linemen. Uh, there's obviously a few staples you need to have uh, in order to be successful, but uh, you can play the game pretty unique uh, if you have the ability. Did you know as as you went to NDSU that that you were going to be an offensive lineman? Because you did sack the quarterback a lot, right? Like you had the capability of playing defensive line at the next level. Yes. So I didn't even know it till my senior year, but apparently Coach Entz, their plan, they had me go there as an old lineman, but their plan was to have me be a three technique there. 
Um, so I didn't know that was part of the plan, but I got there. Honestly, being a skinny guy in high school, I was like, please just move me to tight end. Let me catch some balls. Um, but that never happened. And I'd say it's for the better. Uh, I learned to love O-line and learned to love playing O-line. Uh, I hang my hat on one statement. Uh, O-line is the only position in all of sports where your sole purpose is to protect another player. Um, so I love that. I'm super prideful of that. Love the loyal aspect of it, of the protecting aspect of it. So, uh, yeah, ultimately in the end, uh, I ended up where I needed to be. I'll leave you with this. What, what do the next handful of weeks look like? I mean, so you're back out mm-hmm. in California training and just getting ready for pro day. Yeah, getting ready for pro day, uh, getting ready for combine, maybe some Zoom calls here and there with teams, uh, just uh, sharing everything up. Uh, it's going to be a lot of interviews, a lot of meetings, and a lot of combine training upcoming this next few weeks. The combine, though, I mean, did you officially get an invite? But but as far as we know, like the combine we know is is not taking place, right? Yes. So I got an invite, and from my understanding, it is medical only, and then – there might be a few things there, but uh, to my understanding, there won't be interviews there. It'll just be medical only. Don't know exactly when the date or how it's going to be done, but yes, I did get an invite. Very nice. And and who else are you working out with out there? And, and your agency represents a bunch of oh, yes. linemen. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like Brian O'Neill and the Vikings. Yes, as your yep. agency. So, have you gotten a chance to connect with with any of the NFL guys? Yeah, so uh, Jonah Williams, uh, yeah, uh, we connected with him a little bit because he was rehabbing here. And then he said, Brian, they'll all be out here training. Uh, Like we said, we talked about Paul before. Paul's going to bring guys out here. So Whitworth's going to train with us, stuff like that. Joe Staley was a client up here. Um, Now he just works for the agency. He's our line coach out here. So, yeah, it's been a huge help knowing that all these guys are part of this agency and we've connected with them, asked them questions, picked their brain kind of thing. Uh, It's been super helpful. And then where specifically, Dylan, in California? So where are you housed right now? Yeah, Irvine, California, Orange County. And it's it's a pretty protected bubble there where where you guys know you're you're COVID-free and and you just take every precaution? Yep, we take every precaution. Uh, I mean, we get tested once a week, stuff like that. Um, So uh, we're in a pretty safe bubble. We only communicate with each other. Um, So, yeah, it's good. Dylan, I know I speak for a lot of people here in Minnesota. We wish you nothing but the best. It'll be fun to, to follow your journey, and I'll certainly stay in touch, okay? Thank you. Appreciate it. From Becker High School, former North Dakota State Bison, Dylan Raddins, left tackle, but has guard flexibility, tackle guard. Heck, who knows? I mean, maybe he makes a Frank Ragnall-like move to center. He is going to make some NFL team very, very happy in just a few months. All right, let's continue the NFL draft theme. I caught up recently with Rashad Bateman, the former Gopher. He, too, received a combine invite. When I talked to him, combine invites hadn't gone out yet. This was like 10 to 14 days ago, but everything we talked about is plenty applicable, although I think somewhere in the conversation we talked about Packers-Buccaneers. Clearly the Buccaneers won that game, but everything should play fine. So here's my recent conversation with former Gophers receiver Rashad Bateman. Rashad, the last time we talked would have been probably like mid-November, probably shortly after, it might have been immediately after the Purdue game, just – Catch us up on on how things are going. What's what's keeping you busy right now? Where are you training? You know, things are actually going really well right now. Um, I'm down in uh, Scottsdale. Uh, that's where I'm living. Um, but right now, I'm training at Etzos uh, in Phoenix. You know, uh, just working out every day. Um, so you know, everything's going smooth right now. How did you end up landing on on there in Scottsdale? What what you know? What factors came into play for for you landing there in Arizona? <laughs> 
You know, at Soldiers, doing for good work all across the country. Um, they've done a phenomenal job of putting guys um, in the NFL. Um, they've done a good job of guys uh, rehabbing. They just got all the resources you need to be successful. So, um, you know, this is a big chapter for me coming up. So I just wanted to be in the best hands possible. And I feel like at Soldiers was definitely the best hands right now. So is that the plan, just to stay down there? If, if there is a pro day, a Minnesota pro day, you'd come back up for that. At this point, it doesn't sound like an actual combine is going to take place. So is the plan just to make Arizona home base for the next handful of months? Yeah, Arizona is definitely home base right now. Uh, like you said, with the combine being counseled, there's a lot of things up in the air right now. So um, me and my agent, uh, we're still working through some things and just trying to hear back on what uh, the NFL is going to say. So uh, I'm just here working out and grinding until that time. Did I see on, on your Instagram that, that you've, you've, you've formed a bond with, with Odell Beckham Jr.? Yeah, I did. You know, o, o is here. Um, probably everybody know that he's here uh, rehabbing um, on his ACL. So um, I get to see him every day and be around him. Uh, I got a chance to meet him. Um, so uh, it's been really inspiring for me, especially being someone that I look up to, to have him right there in my corner. So, um, yeah, it's been truly honor, you know, just to be around him and see him, I guess. I mean, I think about that bond you now have, the bond you have with Adam Thielen. Like, you have that connection already with with some of the best receivers in the game. You know, I like to surround myself with the best. But at the end of the day, they both are good people, you know. And I like to surround myself with good people. And, you know, O is a good person, and so is uh, Adam. So um, they've been really good to me. Um, so, uh, hopefully the friendship continue to grow. So what just, what sorts of ad pieces of advice has, has Odell given you? You know, uh, he talked to me one time and he was like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, just have fun and enjoy this process. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of guys get stressed out during this time. And even in the NFL, guys get stressed all the time, but, you know, just keeping the main goal, the main goal. And, you know, uh, we all grew up playing football, having fun with it. So, um, just making sure that you still can have fun and love for the game. So that's that's pretty – what's the advice that O gave for me? How crazy, Rashad, and I lost your picture and now, now you're back. How how crazy was, like, August, September, October, November, just even prior to that? I mean, we found out later that, that you had COVID. Just I guess how about just the totality of 2020? How How crazy was the year 2020 for you? I can't even put it into words, to be honest. Um, not even just for me. Um, credit goes out to everybody that survived 2020. You know, 2020 was a tough year mentally for me and for everyone else. Um, but uh, it's kind of hard to describe what that time was like. You know, now that 2021 is here, I'm just excited uh, for a fresh start, new journey, uh, get ready to move on for some things in the past. So uh, I'm just excited about moving forward. As we look back, so it, it was August, right, that, that you made the decision to, to go pro because there was so much uncertainty. We didn't know if there would be a Big Ten season. You find out, okay, there is going to be a Big Ten fall season. I do want to play. And then you decided after, after the Purdue game, you guys were shut down with, with the COVID outbreak. You made the decision to, to opt out to, to not play the remaining schedule. Just It had to be just a, a roller coaster of emotions. It definitely was, you know, when I opted out the first time, it was strictly because of COVID and with us having a spike that we did, even weeks prior to that, things was kind of like heating up for us in Minnesota. So we kind of already knew that there was a chance of some 
games get shut down and a spike happening. And then I stuck through it. But then once the big spike happened, um, I was just, you know, I just didn't want to take any risks, especially with the draft coming up and not really having any answers of what COVID can do. So I just, you know, I just played it safe, you know, put my health first. So how about just the way that the Gophers used you differently? Like I even think back to the, to the first game, the Michigan game. I mean, it, it seemed like, you know, Coach Simon, Coach Sanford, Coach Fleck, they decided, Rashad, to use you differently. Like, how grateful were you that they gave you an opportunity to give the pros some some different looks? I'm very grateful for it. But uh, at the end of the day, I will still what's best for the team. Um, that's all I ever want to do is do what's best for the team. And uh, me going in the slot this past season was what, what was best for the team. So, um it gave me a lot of chance to learn without playing as position as, uh, as much as like Tyler did. But I've learned a lot from Tyler that um, I, I implemented that in my game uh, this past season. So um, it was fun, actually. But, you know, credit goes out to the, all those coaches that you named, Coach Fleck, Coach Sanford, Coach Patterson, Coach Simon, everybody that, that contributed. Um, they helped me get to everything that I need. So credit to them. On Tyler Rashad, how how has your relationship with Tyler grown? Oh, I just talked to Tyler today about his catch of the day. You know, me and Tyler, uh, we still try to stay in touch. Uh, I'm proud of him for all the work that he's done down in Tampa. Uh, I love to see him play, but he kind of got me in a sticky situation right now, playing against uh, Kamal Martin. Uh, I'm not sure what to do right now, so I might. I think I might just have to watch this game instead of choosing a team. Well, I mean, is Antoine the, the tiebreaker that, that Antoine and yeah. Tyler are in Tampa, no. that, that that means you need to root for Tampa? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's tough because Kamal at heart, he's still a goal for you, though. So uh, it's going to be a tough decision. I'm not saying that I'm going to make a decision, but it definitely will be a tough, a tough one. Rashad, how, how does your game translate to the next level? Uh, every, anything that a coach needs from me, I feel like I have the ability to do. Um, I've shown that I can play in the slot. I've shown that I can play outside. Um, I've shown my speed. I've shown contested catches. Um, I feel like I have everything that the NFL team needs. I'm confident in my work. I'm confident in the guys that got me prepared for this, uh, the next step. So uh, I'm just very confident in everything that I have to showcase. So I'm excited. I mean, I suppose with, with the confidence you have, as good as some of the other receivers are, you know, Smith from Alabama, Chase from LSU, that that you view yourself as the best receiver in this draft class. I mean, that's not up for me to say, you know, uh, I don't really do that type of stuff for who's the best. You know, I'm going to just stay in my lane and can control what I can control. Uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's what I can do. So uh, I'm going to just let everything else take care of itself. Rashad, do you pay much attention to the, to the mock drafts? I mean, most of the mock drafts I see have you as, as a first-round pick. Uh, no, you know, obviously I see it here and there because I'm on social media all the time. But um, I know all of that is mock, which means a prediction. And uh, you can't really get uh, too caught up in that stuff. So I just got to keep my eyes, you know, forward and focus on the main goal. Where do you need to get better? I mean, you're right. I mean, you've shown you can play outside. You can play inside. You can make contested catches. But – but you inevitably can get better in, in one or two areas, maybe more than that. Where where do you need to improve as you get to the next level? 
When I think about getting better, I just don't focus on one thing. I think about everything when it comes to complete receiver. Um, I mean, that starts even like with nutrition, uh, eating better, learn the ways to eat better, learn how to take care of your body, uh, route running, of course, break points and catching, really everything that goes into being an elite football player. Uh, that's, that's what I'm focusing on right now. Um, and I, now I got all the resources to uh, make that possible for myself. So I'm just excited. How are your measurables? I mean, have you seen noticeable differences since being down there in Arizona? Oh, yeah, I have. Because um, I, I know when I got COVID, I lost a ton of weight. And like this past season, I played at like 190. Um, and I was kind of slim. And now that I've been out here, Edsel's done a phenomenal job. I'm back. Like I'm like 198, 197. Uh, moving well, catching well. You know, I got my weight back up. So I'm feeling healthy. Um, and everything's going smooth. How hard was was the battle with COVID? I mean, like just now, maybe months upon months later, do you feel like you're you're back to normal finally? Yeah, you know, I, during the season I felt back to normal, but now that I'm here and actually getting the stuff that I I, I actually need, um, I got my weight back up and things like that. You know, um, I think that I'm back to 100 percent now. I actually feel that way now. Have you been timed in the 40 yet down there? No, we have not. We've just been training for it. Just how important, right or wrong? I mean, I, I would hope that the front office is just popping the film and, and and film would 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 tell the full story. But you know this. A lot of these front offices put a lot of stock into the 40 time. Again, whether that's right yeah. or wrong, they just they do that. So, I mean, do you feel comfortable that when the time comes, you'll be able to run a, a comfortable 40 time? Oh, I'm very comfortable with the time that I'm going to be able to run. You know, I'm getting faster day by day. Um, hopefully when the combine or pro day comes, I get to showcase that. Um, I know there's a lot of question marks about my speed, so I'm actually really, really, really excited to uh, showcase that. Does it just boggle your mind that there are question marks about your speed? I mean, I don't know. I mean, watching you 18, 19, and 20, I, I don't know how anybody could have any questions about your speed. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, people is going to question everything about your game. You know, the only thing you can do is just go out and showcase it. So um, I just got to go prove it. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. So who are some other receivers? I think we talked about this when we connected in the, in the summer at, at Thielen's place, but who are some receivers that, that you try to model your game after? Um, I just take a lot from uh, everybody, you know, obviously OBJ. Um, I look up to him and watching him since uh, since he was at LSU and uh, when he got to the Giants. Um, but now uh, Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams um, and also DK Metcalf, you know, all of them, all of them guys. I try to um, I watch their highlights a lot. You know, I try to see what they do and put it in my game. So now that the calendar has flipped to 2021. Is your dream just that much closer to becoming a reality? Like, can you wrap your brain around that, that, that this calendar year, you know you will, you will reach your dream of, of making it to the National Football League? Oh, no, I still think it's kind of surreal. I texted my mom the other day, and I was like, is this, is this really happening? Like, is this real? Uh, just because I remember playing this game as a, as a kid, and now that I'm actually here, and, you know, it's getting closer and closer day by day. Um, I, I don't know how to feel about it. You know, it's, it could be overwhelming at times and it also could be exciting, but like right now I'm just going to take it all in and enjoy it all and have fun with it. Who are some of the other draft prospects that are down there training with you? I'm down here with, uh, Elijah Moore, uh, from Ole Miss, um, Demaria Brown from, uh, UNC, um, 
uh, I can't remember every single person's name, uh, but a receiver from Indiana is here. Um, I know a lot of good guys here and I met a lot of good people. So we've just been pushing each other in the weight room and on the field. So uh, it's been fun. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, what I was alluding to, that that I would imagine having all those guys around you, you guys motivate each other. You play off of each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, everything is a competition. You know, we just push ourselves and everything that we do because we all just want to see each other succeed. So um, we're all excited about this next journey. We talk about it every single day. You know, we just decided to to get there. I hit you with a couple more. The, The 2021 Gophers, I mean, Think about all the guys that are coming back, right? Coney Durr coming back, Seth mm-hmm. Green coming back, Sam Schluter coming back, Connor Olson coming back. Like there's going to be a lot of veterans. Think about the transfers. They get the big man Pinkney from, from Clemson, the defensive tackle. Yep. They get Val Martin, the defensive tackle from North Carolina State. They have a good receiver coming in from Texas A&M. Like the 2021 Gophers, even without you, Rashad, should be pretty darn good. The Gophers are going to be really good. You know, I'm excited to sit back and watch, you know, maybe maybe catch a couple of games if I can, if I have the opportunity to. But um, I know the Gophers are going to be what they need to be. I'm, I'm actually really, really, really excited to see them play. Um, I can't fathom. Uh, I can't even put in the words. Like, I know I'm not going to be there, but uh, even if I weren't there, they're going to be good anyway. So I'm just excited to see them play. Do you think that, that we can see shades of the 2019 offense again? I know that Kirk Chirac is gone, but do you feel like that maybe it takes a year to adjust to a new play caller with, with Sanford, that, that the second year things should be marketedly better? I'm not, I'm not too concerned about what we did in 2019 or about, you know, I just know that these guys are going to work hard. Um, they're going to practice, they're going to eat right, they're going to do everything that they can to be successful. Um, I know they're going to lay all that out on the line, so I'm just excited to see that. On Tanner Morgan, I mean, Tanner will be back. I mean, he's taking so many snaps. I mean, mm-hmm. do you feel like there's, you know, I guess I'm, I'm doing it again, just referencing 2019, but do you feel like that, that, that we can see that 2019 Tanner Morgan again? I feel like you can see an elite quarterback in Tanner Morgan and you can see an elite quarterback in uh, Zach Anistead. Um, no matter what, they both are going to be prepared to play and they both can play at a uh, high level. So, And they both are proving that. So whoever is on the, on the center making the calls and, and throwing the ball and handing it off, whoever it is, whether it's five or two, um, I have all trust in them that uh, the offense will be successful. How good is Ottman Bell? He's really good, and I'm really excited that he get to take this next step and show the world and show everybody what he's really capable of. And then what about Jackson? I mean, you know, he's – it appears he has a really bright future. We saw it in glimpses in 2020. I think we're going to see it more and more in the coming years. Daniel does have a, a really bright future. You know, um, all the young receivers do. Um you know, Daniel works really hard. He practices really hard, and he listens. He's very coachable. So I'm really excited to see what he does this year also. Is there one that, that we didn't get to see that, that you know, is flying under the radar that, that fans should be aware of that, that really caught your eye? To be honest, everybody. You know, you're only allowed to play a certain amount of people, but I feel like everybody in that receiver room, uh, we call ourselves alphas. You know, we're trained to go. Uh, and I feel like everybody in that room is prepared to play. And I feel like, you know, Clay Geary proved that this year. Um, when his number was called, he was called in the game. He made plays. You know, that's what we're trained to do, and that's our mentality. So anybody in that room, when their name is called, they're going to be prepared to play. And, Rashad, your bandwidth is the best it's been in, in our conversation. 
Can I just ask you again about Tyler Johnson and, and what Tyler means to you? You know, Tyler, you know, he's been like, he's been like a big brother to me since I got there. And, you know, um, also from the football aspect of uh, just like learning from him, learning how he do stuff off the field and on the field. Um, I definitely um, have carried that into my life and into my career. Um, but like I said, I'm just excited to see him continue to do great things in the NFL also. I mean, how great would it be to be able to see him on the Super Bowl stage if, if Tampa can win on Sunday? That would be sick to see him in the Super Bowl, you know, him and Antoine playing together. Um, but, you know, whoever makes it to the Super Bowl, I'll be excited because no matter what a gopher is going to be in it. Have you done any homework yet, Rashad, on just offenses where maybe they have a logical fit at the at the receiver position? Maybe you you studied their their offense during the season or will study their offense in the in the coming weeks and months? Like, do you have a sense of maybe, you know, some good fits for, for your skill set? Uh, some teams I have watched uh, and thought about that, but uh, not not so much just because at the end of the day, you just never know. So I just kind of play it by ear, you know, and just work out and train and, you know, just keep getting better. Rashad, thank you for doing this. I'll certainly stay in touch. I'm not going to bug you, but, you know, as things maybe get closer to a pro day or whatever a combine could look like, will look like, I'll, I'll certainly stay in touch, okay? I know a lot of people here in Minnesota want to track your your happenings. Yeah, sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Former Gophers wide receiver Rashad Bateman. I did that interview the Friday before the NFC Championship game. Hadn't gotten it here on the podcast until now, so I think everything was was still plenty applicable. So hopefully you enjoyed the back and forth with Bateman. I did find it interesting that he brought up Zach Anikstead's name. Let's not forget what Fleck and others over on campus feel about Anikstead. Like, he's dealt with some injuries, but don't sleep on the possibility of Anikstead still entering the quarterback mix, that it's not a stone-cold lock, that this is Tanner Morgan's job. All right, let's now get to my conversation from last Friday with Randy Dobnak. It's still applicable, like Bateman, but like in the middle, I asked him, hey, would you like Nelson Cruz back as a teammate? Well, obviously now Nelson Cruz is back with the Twins. So this was from six days ago, but there's a bunch of good stuff in there. Here's my recent conversation with Twins pitcher Randy Dobnak. Randy, before we get to your team, your offseason happenings, heck, your new teammates, just how about life? Like, how how are you holding up? How how has the pandemic impacted you, your wife, your life? Um, I mean, life's pretty good. We recently bought a house about a, almost two months ago, so we we kind of just trying to renovate that. Um, you know, re, repaint some of the rooms, get some furniture going. Uh, we're still waiting for our bed a bedroom set, but they said that'll take like two to three months. We ordered that like two months ago, so hopefully we'll be here soon. Um, my wife was working from home for a little bit, but then school started back up. She's a counselor, and um, so she's been going to school. Um, Pretty much the, since they started, but they have had students the whole time. And probably up to about three weeks ago, they started having students. And it's been about, I think they do like A through M or something like that, Monday, Tuesday, and then like Thursday, Friday to do the rest of the class or something like that. I'm not sure how it all works. And it, it changes weekly because West Virginia has like, each county has like their own specific color code. So like if you're in red, that's not good. So the students won't go to school then. Um, I can't remember if they go for yellow or they like yellow, orange, green, obviously green's good, but, but yeah, it changes weekly. But other than that, I mean, we've been doing pretty good. Can't complain. 
I mean, you've been healthy. Your family's been healthy. I mean, you know, knock on whatever, you know, God forbid. I mean, everybody's okay. They've been able to avoid COVID. Yeah, no one's gotten COVID in our family yet. Um, we have some other health issues going on with her, her mother. But besides that, I mean, everything's been going pretty smooth. And, you know, we're even even when they come around, we kind of just try to avoid just in case. Because we never know if one of us has it, doesn't show symptoms. Um, but she's, I guess, you can categorize, categorize her as in, like, high risk. So we're just trying to be, you know, overprotective of that, that kind of stuff. But overall, I mean, everything's been pretty good. My mom and dad had it. Um well, my dad doesn't remember getting it because he just remembers losing his sense of smell. We figured it was something else when he was working up in Erie. And then my mom got it from a coworker, I guess, at, or she works at, but they both recovered perfectly fine. The only thing they had was like the loss of smell. I think my mom lost her sense of taste for a little bit and maybe had like a headache one day. And then my grandfather, my mom's dad, he also got it. Um, he just got back surgery and he was supposed to get it probably a month ago and he went to go get, they had to like test him before that happened. And sure enough, he had it like three days before he was supposed to get tested. So he was kind of bummed about that. Um, but I think he said he only had like a headache for like a day or two and he recovered fine and he's 80. So that man, he's, he is unstoppable. <laughs> he is the bionic man. I'm glad Randy that, that everybody is okay. That they've, that they've recovered. Okay. I mean, are you ready to ramp back up here? I mean, heck you're probably a couple weeks away from, I don't yeah. know if you guys will be tested daily, but once you get down to Fort Myers, I imagine the test will be coming, you know, if not every day, probably every other day. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what they're, what they're going to do. I'm assuming it'll be similar to last year. We were getting tested, you know, every other day. Um, the spit test, I'm not sure if we're going to do like the nose swab every day or every other day or whatnot. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get going. I've been throwing, I've probably thrown about four or five bullpens. Um, pretty much lately, it's been kind of tough because I don't have access to like an indoor area. So me and the catcher, it's been really cold or windy up here. So we go around 10 o'clock every morning. And the last like three or four days, it's been about 25 plus like about with windshield, it's been like, you know, 10, 11 degrees. So, but you got to do what you got to do. I mean, I suppose like if you get the ball, let's say it's, you know, April 8th or you name the day in early April here at Target Field, <laughs> you're going to be ready. Yeah, I've never been out there in April um, or I guess early in the season. So People tell me, obviously, it's so cold, but it might be a little more bearable than, I guess, single digits with wind show. But we'll see what happens. When are you heading down to Fort Myers? Do you have your itinerary? Do you know when things get rocking and rolling? Uh, as far as I know, we just our physicals are on the 18th for pitchers and catchers. And then I think the first workout is the 19th. And as far as get, us getting down there early, they're not really sure if we'd be allowed to use the facilities or not just because of everything going on. So... I'm not sure sure when I'm leaving yet. I'll be driving down again. Um, I'll probably make a pit stop at my buddy's college. He coaches at uh, Coker University. It's D2 in South Carolina. It's like basically halfway between where I live and Fort Myers. So it's kind of like a, you know, stop, stay overnight, throw a pen or something like that and get up refreshed the next morning. I've done it the last two years. My old coach used to coach there and now he's a scout for the Rays. And my old buddy that I play with is now the pitching coach there. So kind of works out well. Is it pretty crazy that that we are about three weeks away from from workouts when when there are so many guys that are still looking for jobs? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, to feel, like just to think about how fast everything's gone. And there's a lot of guys, like you said, there's a lot of guys out there that are obviously really good. And I mean, I'm sure they'll get picked up eventually. But it's just crazy to think about two to three weeks from now, you guys will be you know working out already as a team, and these guys are just kind of sitting at home wondering where they're going or 
who they're going to sign with, but I'm sure they have more of an idea than we do. <laughs> that was a good reminder that, that you haven't been up here in April, which seems crazy because you've made so many appearances already in the majors, but like how special would it be to secure an opening day roster spot? Yeah. I mean, last year was kind of cool. You know, when, when Rocco told me that I made the opening day roster, I was like, Oh, it's kind of cool. But I guess it's not really the same as a typical season. You know, we had the expanded rosters and it was the middle of, I guess, July, right. Was that when we started up middle of July? So it was a little bit different, but yeah, I think if, and just to have the opportunity to make the team out of camp, you know, for the first technically, like, I guess for the first time for a full season, um, that'd be kind of cool, but we'll see what happens. How does the way Randy that last year ended, you were not on the, on the playoff roster, the official playoff roster. How much does that motivate you heading into this year? Uh, I actually was on the playoff roster. I just didn't get in. They had me in, they had me in the pen. Um, you were in the pen. I thought you were on the taxi squad. Like you were on reserve. You no, were officially so I, on the yeah, roster. I was, I was on the roster. I finished the season on the alternate site and then, um, they added me on for the playoff game or the playoffs for the playoffs or the first series or whatever, but I didn't get in unfortunately, but, but yeah, I'm still motivated, obviously, you know, cause nothing's ever, you know, there. So I'm a, I'm a solidified, you know, in the rotation or in the bullpen, whatever they need me to be. Um, so I, I mean, I'm going to go in the spring training in the same kind of mindset, like, you know, I'm trying to get a job out of here. So that's how, that's kind of how I treat everything, no matter what, you know, if I'm like, you know, multi-year contract person, I'm still going to treat it the same. It's, it's just the way that I've been raised, and it's just the way that I've gone about playing baseball. At every are, you level. Curious, are you curious, Randy, to see if they add another starter? Jay Happ is, is here, but who knows? I mean, I think there's still some moves to come. I don't know for sure if it'll be a starter, but I, I think they've at least kicked the tires on on some starters. Are you curious to see what else takes place? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see us picking up at least maybe a starter, maybe a, relie- a few relievers. I can't remember how, exactly how many we have right now, but I think the last time I saw on Twitter, we still have like two spots open on the 40-man. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see us doing something, you know, anything that can benefit us in the long run. Um, but yeah, Adam J.A. Happ is pretty, pretty nice just to have another lefty arm out there. Um, I guess you can kind of say he replaces Rich Hill as a lefty starter. Um, and he's been around for a while, so he, know, he knows how to get things done. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of ex- I'm excited to kind of meet, meet him and pick his brain a little bit about pitching. You know, he's been around for a while, so he knows a little bit more than I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they bring somebody in, I mean, you have to figure, right, Randy, that that in some order, it's it's Kenta, Barrios, you know, Pineda. You know, I mean, he'll be able to start opening right. day in in the rotation. Hap. You know, so if they bring somebody else in, Randy, it's probably going to be a battle between, you know, that individual and you for, for that fifth spot. Yeah, I mean, even if they don't, there's still going to be plenty of guys um, coming to spring training that are going to be fighting for that spot, like Smelter, Thorpe. Um, I can't think of some of the other guys, but there's plenty of options out there. So um, it's going to be really competitive. You know, hopefully we have a full spring training, everything goes smoothly. Um, and whoever gets that spot at the end of, it, end of the day is going to be – you know, the most beneficial for the team to start the season. But I think even in the long run, all of us are going to somehow go in there and help the team out throughout the season. I mean, it's a long, it's a long season and, you know, some guys are going to get banged up, hopefully not, but, you know, it's kind of an inevitable. Um, but I think we'll all have some kind of opportunity to come this season. On the long season, I mean, what's your level of confidence that, that there will be a 162-game season? 
Um, I mean, I think if we all kind of just do what we did last year, minus the two hiccups with the, I think it was the Cardinals in Miami, maybe. It was, yeah. Um, I think if we can all kind of just, you know, follow the guidelines and stick to our plan, you know, especially with all these vaccines going out, I don't know if they're going to have the players get them, if some guys want to get them or not. Um, but I think we can definitely do it, you know, if we're all in the, with the right mindset going forward. But, you know, I've you've seen the NFL. They've somehow figured it out, too, to do a full season. Um, I guess I think the NBA is playing right now, NHL, all that stuff. And I don't think any of them are in a bubble right now. I know I know the NHL and the NBA finishes their seasons in the bubble, but they're all kind of just free range right now. So I think if everybody's in it together and does what they're supposed to do, I think we'll be able to pull off a full season. Do you want to get the vaccine? Like if, if they make it available, will you be right there in line to get the vaccine? Probably not. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure. I just, I don't know. I have to do more research on it first. For sure. I mean, to each their own. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to name names right here, Randy, but I, I can cite two, maybe three players that I know that say no way, no how. They're just not interested yeah. in in getting the vaccine. We don't know what it could potentially do to to your DNA. Like, there's a lot of question marks out there. So I don't think anybody yeah. would fault you. I mean, it's each their own. If you choose not to, I would hope people would understand that. Yeah, I think I'd rather go up against it at my age. You know, I'm, I'm healthy and nothing's really wrong with me. So I'd rather fight it that way rather than, you know, taking this vaccine that we're not really sure what the short-term, long-term, all kinds of effects going forward is. But I know a lot of people that have gotten it already. Um, and I know people, like you said, that definitely don't, definitely won't get it. So, like you said, to each our own, I guess. You touched on Hap. Another new teammate is is Angleton Simmons. I mean, I imagine, Randy, the way you induce ground balls, like how great will it be to have Simmons manning shortstop? Yeah, that is a vacuum. I've watched – I grew up watching him a little bit, and I've watched him, you know, a little bit in the past few – Past few days since we signed him, and that dude's literally just a machine out there. Nothing gets past him. So having him and JD on the left side of the infield, plus you know Plonko at second, I guess, and then Miggy at first. I mean, it's infield's gonna be really nice. And for me, especially, it's like I, you know I get a little bit way more than half, more than a half of ground balls. So just to have that kind of defense behind me, you know, even helps my confidence even more than it's already been. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but like nobody induces ground balls like you. I mean, there's guys that induce ground balls, of course, but like of every pitcher on the pitching staff, Randy, I think you are going to benefit the most. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some statistics out there about him, like all the analytical stuff. Um, I think it's like defensive run save. Like he's like, here's like, here's like the second person. He's like way up here compared to everybody else. So that dude's a machine with the glove out there and he's got a really good arm. Um, I'm not really sure about his bat, but I'm sure he gets it done at the plate too. So he's definitely a really good acquisition for us. And hopefully everybody can stay healthy throughout the season. And then Jorge at, at second base, like Rocco was was talking to some fans the other day, this exclusive club called the Dunker. So he was doing a virtual chat. And I'm told the other day that that he was gushing about Polanco having having gold glove capabilities playing second base, that Rocco is convinced Jorge is just going to be a stud playing second base. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's pretty good. He was pretty good at shortstop. I don't know if he was on paper, but I mean, I I couldn't really complain much whenever he was behind me. You know, that's just, I mean, that's just how I am. Every time I go out there, no matter who the defense is, I'm going to trust them no matter, no matter what. Um, I think if you don't trust your defense behind you, it's not really going to be a beneficial for you in the long run. You'd be thinking about them more than you are about pitching. So yeah, I think 
I think Polanco has a really good chance, you know, to do really really good things at second base. So I'm excited to see how he does. How much would you like to have Nelson Cruz as a teammate still? Uh, yeah, I think it'd be really cool. He's a, he's a great guy. I mean, I met him for the first time, I guess, in 19. And the first thing I saw, I was like, wow, this dude is massive. And, I, you know, I grew up watching him back with, like, Texas and Seattle and all them. Um, but, yeah, I think they'd be pretty cool for us to sign him again. But, obviously, that's out of my control. So, that's between the Twins and Nelly. But I think that'd definitely benefit everybody um, just to have him in the lineup, you know, every day. It's just insane just to think about our our already powerful lineup and just to add Nelly in there. I think it will boost us a little bit more. So you said you've thrown four or five bullpens. You have the challenges of, of finding indoor <laughs> space, but in your bullpen sessions, I mean, anything that, that you're specifically working on, anything you're looking to tweak? Um, I'm just trying to, you know, get more control of my sinker. I mean, last year it started sinking a little bit more and I think I had some, some issues, you know, maybe overcompensating for it. Um, but for the most part, I'm trying to get a little bit more break on my slider, uh, rather, rather it being a drop ball. I want to have a little bit of a slide ball going. Um, but overall, I mean, I had three pitches, so I'm just trying to, I guess you can say I have four pitches, but I don't throw the force team as much as I used to. Um, but overall, just trying to be more consistent with, you know, locating in and out, uh, up and down the sinker slider change up. Um, and I, I already have the confidence to, you know, throw them at any count three, Oh, three, two. O two, 2 whatever. So just kind of just working on that stuff and becoming more consistent. Um, Great. And try not walking anybody this year. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple outings where, where the walk numbers were – I'm not used to seeing you do that, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I really hate walking people. So Or even hitting people. I mean, I think there was the one game I hit two guys, walked two guys. I think it was all the same inning. I was like, what the heck? The one didn't really hit them, and somehow they reviewed it, and they said it didn't. It did hit them, but I guess that's out of my control. <laughs> was that the Was that the outing in St. Louis? Yeah, that was. First two innings really well, and the third inning, I don't know what happened. They scored. I think they scored five runs. And I think one ball like left the infield. <laughs> I mean, so. just a reminder, just how crazy of a game it is. And yeah, everything. I mean, really just fast. the weirdest things can happen because. Like never in a million years would I have foreseen, you know, you having those struggles that particular inning. Yeah. I mean, it's just the game of baseball, but it is what it is. I guess I moved on. I moved on right after I got taken out of the game. I was mad for like maybe five minutes and I was like, all right, well, I can't control the pass. So look forward to the next one. How much dialogue have you had this off season with whether it's Rocco, Wes, or, or other members of, of the twins coaching staff? Um, We've had a few meetings with Rocco and all the guys. Um, I think I've talked to Wes three or four times. So call me like maybe once, twice a month just to kind of check in, uh, see what I'm doing, see where I'm at with my throwing program and all that stuff. Um, we have trainers that are text us once a week just to kind of get an update on like how much we've thrown, lifted, ran. Um, if we've had COVID, if we have any symptoms, just how we feel overall. And then I've talked to our, tra- our other trainers as well, like Matt and, uh, He's called me, I think, two or three times, basically the same thing, just kind of check in with us and see what our plans are for spring training um, and all that kind of typical stuff. Was it hard to find a spot down in, in Fort Myers? Like, is it hard to, to rent a spot for six weeks? Uh, for me, it's I, I got lucky. I got a my buddy I grew up with, went to college with a kid that actually moved down there to Fort Myers, and he actually lives literally next to the academy now. 
So I got lucky and he has a two bedroom apartment. I can just move in with him. I did that last year for spring training, but he was over in Cape Coral. So the, the commute in the morning kind of sucked with all the traffic. So I had to be like an hour early, but now I can literally walk from his apartment. Cause I think when you leave the complex and you're facing that high school, you go right and it's the apartment complex right here. So that'll be nice. That is, that is fantastic. Yeah, Anything else? Place, yeah. I couldn't do it in last year. And I mean, I could have, but it was really expensive. So I reached out to him and was like, Hey man, you got, got a spot for me? And now, I mean, <laughs> he likes having me down there. You know, he's, we just kind of relate a lot to baseball. He played baseball in college and stuff like that. And playing video games and whatnot. So it's a good six weeks. I would say so. Anything, anything else you want to, you want to get off your chest? You know what? This just hit me. What about, okay. So you were at the alternate site. You can remind me because my memory's already been all over the place. Cause I forgot that you were actually on the playoff roster. So you can remind me how, how many practices you had over at the alternate site, but like any arms jump out to you. Like I, I've heard good things about, you know, Cantorino, for example, but anybody in particular jump out to you when you were over in St. Paul? Um, I probably had about, I don't know, maybe five, six workouts over there. I threw live one time. Um, I actually got to see Canterino throw and I saw him throw. I looked at, uh, I looked at Bayo and McCarthy. I was like, who is this guy? I was like, that's Canterino. I was like, he's got some pretty good stuff. I mean, it's, it's always pretty hard. He's got, I think, decent control of everything. Um, I can't remember who else is over there besides, you know, guys that I play with. I mean, Duran, I think Duran was over there. And I, I play with him in low A and high A and double A, and I just know how, how nasty he is. Um, I can't remember who else was there. I, I don't know if Balzovic was there or not. I think he might have been there, but I also play with him in low A my first full season. I played with him a little bit last year, and he's nasty as well. So we got a lot of young guys that are have really promising futures, I think, and it'll be fun to watch them, you know, move up or wherever they start, move up along the line and eventually get their opportunity. Not too fast, though. You don't want them taking your job. <laughs> hey, if they're better than me, I guess they can come take it. You know what? They'll embrace the competition, right? Yeah. Bring on the competition. <laughs> Randy, thank you for doing this. Safe travels down to, to Fort Myers. Enjoy the stop in South Carolina, and, and we'll certainly connect soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Darren. Twin starting pitcher Randy Dobnak will wrap up this podcast with my conversation from the other day. With Charles Adams, he is now the Twins Director of Security. In fact, he is heading down to Fort Myers next week, former Minneapolis cop, but he is also the Minneapolis North football coach. He was Tyler Johnson's high school coach. Charles Adams III, I caught up with him over at North the other day. Mr. Adams, how cool is it? Tyler Johnson gets to play on the biggest stage possible. You know what? You, you can't write the story any better. Not only him being able to go and have an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl, but beating the Packers to get there. So, hey, you know, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. You're right. And if we go back to April, the draft, there was disappointment, right, that a lot of people thought he's better than a fifth-round pick. Yeah. But when you think about it, whether you're a second-round pick, fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick, it's about getting to the right spot, the right opportunity. Yeah. It seems like Tampa is the perfect spot for him. You know what? I was there draft day. You know, actually, I was there all days, every day with him for the draft day, and I could see the the disappointment of you know him feeling like, you know, man, when when they gonna call my name? But the minute that they did, I was like, yeah, let's get going, man. Let's let, let let's get to work, 
and the opportunity is amazing. You get to play with one of the, you know, the greatest quarterbacks ever. Um, great coaching staff. Um, man, he's in the Super Bowl, man. What else can you ask for? He's overcome a lot too, right? Like he missed time during training camp. Like it took a lot just for him to get on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Tyler came to realization that this isn't high school. This isn't college. This this is the pros. So you gotta, uh, you definitely gotta work hard, and you gotta take care of yourself physically um, in order to play at that high of a level. Seems like the the connection he has with the goat, with Tom, is is a plus. Like Tom trusted him just like that. Well, we were talking amongst you know our coaching staff, and uh, one of our coaches had an article, uh, I think from ESPN, and it said that a bold prediction was Tyler Johnson would catch a touchdown pass to, to win and go to the Super Bowl. And I said to myself, I said, well, if he wouldn't have got held, he probably would have did that. But think about it, right? I mean, he was right there. And, and even even Sunday was a bit of a roller coaster. There was a ball early in the game that mm-hmm. I think, frankly, he wishes he could get back. And he knows he makes that catch. But yeah. then he had a key third down catch mm-hmm. later in the game. And yeah. then, yeah, you think about, yeah. like, the last key play, yeah. he was right there. Yeah. Um, you know, make plays when you get opportunity. I, he definitely heard my opinion about dropping the first one. Um, if it hits your hands, I think you need to catch it. But then I also told him, I said, uh, they can't hold your shirt if you don't got that long T-shirt on. So he understands. Um, but, you know, just the opportunity um, and having the trust of Tom Brady to even go to him in that time. So that, that's, that's remarkable. How special was that catch in the New Orleans game? Yeah. Where he came man. across, I mean. Man. Uh, that shows how athletic, you know, he always has been. Um, Great catch. He snagged that thing. So, I mean, just, uh, and the Saints is another one, too, you know. So, I'm glad he did that against them. So, I'm good with that. I ain't forgot 2009, so. What does Tyler playing in the Super Bowl, what does it do for, for this community? Every time you see Tyler Johnson on TV, you see his jersey, you see him walking in the neighborhood, or anytime you see him publicly, it gives hope to every young young man, even young lady in this community. And, and he knows that the whole North Side and all of Minneapolis and Minnesota is behind him. And that's, you know, he's homegrown. So, you know, like I said, when he got drafted, I tweeted, I said, congratulations, Tampa Buck. You just in- inherited the whole North Side of Minneapolis. And I mean, just think about shows like, it's once in a lifetime that, that a lot of high school coaches have the opportunity to coach a player that gets to this level. Mm-hmm. Then there's a lot of luck involved, circumstance involved to get to this stage. Like yeah. it is, it's just like the perfect story. You know, I'm I'm blessed to have an opportunity to be a part of a young man's life. Um, and anybody will tell you that there are many of us, you know, coaching him that have coached him, that have a special piece uh, in his in his heart and and uh, a special place um, with his journey going on, and will continue to be that way. How much has he overcome to get to this point? I think he's, st- you know, he's 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 stepped up to every challenge. He stepped up to every challenge that he's had, and um, he's faced all type of adversity. Hey, you, you face adversity stepping onto these streets of North Minneapolis every day. So him surviving that, because a lot of people haven't, um, him just surviving that is 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 a huge success. How long did it take for him to embrace the wide receiver position? You know what? Let him tell it. He always wanted to play receiver. He wanted to, he wanted to play receiver even when he was here, 
um, playing quarterback, but he was, our, you know, he was our best player and our best athlete, so we had to keep him at that position. The minute that um, he went to uh, the Semper Fidelis All-American game, then that, that was his first outing as a receiver, and um, I was fortunate enough to go to that game and watch him play, and that's where that was that was the beginning of it. And was he always going to go the football path? Like, I thought for a while he might say, you know what, I'm really good at basketball. Like, forget football. I'm going basketball. Yeah. I mean, it, it came down to a time where he was deciding what he wanted to do. You know, I, I didn't per persuade him. I, I never persuade kids in anything. I encourage kids to play three sports if they can. I just said that, you know, whatever is the best opportunity for you and what you, what you want to do. And, you know, obviously he chose football, and, you know, he's been, he's been making his mark. How much does he embrace the spotlight that, that – all these kids, and he's still a kid himself in so many ways, but all these kids look up to him. You know what? I think that's really one of the things that's most important to him. Tyler is one, probably the, one of the first people that would, if he had the time, he would be on the sideline with his jersey like he did last year, trying to coach or trying just to be out there hanging out with his, you know, his brothers or his cousins, family members, or anybody that he's affiliated with with our program. He, he just, that's just how he is. Will his family be able to go to the game? I mean, some fans are going to be allowed. Yeah, I, I sure hope so. I mean, I mean, we, we all going to be watching. We all going to be rooting. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure, um, based off of his character, that he'll have his brothers, sisters, mom and dad, and everybody there. Does Tampa win? Absolutely. <laughs> Don't nothing change with me. <laughs> I, I never go into anything thinking it's going to be a loss. They win until they lose, and they ain't lost. They're going to win. Mahomes is pretty special. I know he is, but you got you got uh, Antoine, you got Winfield back, so that's gonna help. But that's my boy, so I gotta go for him. So yeah, they gonna win, absolutely. Charles Adams III, high school football coach, Minneapolis North Tyler Johnson's high school coach. There will be a nice Gophers flavor on the field on Sunday. Damian Wilson. Chiefs linebacker, he was on the podcast after last year's game. I'll track him down in the coming weeks. Then Antoine Winfield Jr. missed the NFC Championship game, but he's back. He'll play on Sunday and Tyler Johnson. And why I think it's a good situation for him is you've got Godwin as a free agent here in a few weeks. No guarantees that Godwin is back. They do want to bring back Antonio Brown, but that's a volatile situation, right? So, like, Tyler may earn more and more snaps in the coming years. I just think playing in that offense with Tom Brady, that is an ideal spot for the pride of Minneapolis North, Tyler Johnson. All right, we are done on this Thursday, late afternoon slash early evening, the 4th of February. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 332. Stay safe, stay sane.